Hey, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching and best-selling author here. On today's episode, we're going to be interviewing one of my really good friends, Sean Kemp. I call him Sean, the Prince of Copy Kemp. Sean's generated over eight figures in revenue for some of his clients like Dan Locke, Frank Kern, Sam Ovens, Neil Patel, Jason Hornung, Paleo Secrets, the list goes on. He's known as the copywriter you bring in to just out-convert the other messaging that you have. So really excited to dig in with Sean. He's also the founder of Minimalist Methods. His principles are really, you know, one of the things that made us get along so well is he focuses on doing the least amount possible to generate the biggest income and biggest impact. So you guys are going to love this episode because we dig into a lot of different stuff around, you know, generating the right niche product market fit, what he's learned from Aristotle for his copywriting, how to make money working less than five hours, and the secrets behind some 20 and $30 million CEOs, their business, the secrets behind their business that you would never know is actually going on. So really excited to dig into this one with you guys. Obviously, if you want our help building your coaching business, go ahead and check out more about High Impact Coaching at xanderfryer.com forward slash programs. You can check out our programs and get a feel for if one of those would help you out if you're looking to get to six figures in the next 90 days, or if you're already at six figures, going to seven figures, we might have a mastermind that's just for you. And if you want to check out these interviews, Interviews live. Go ahead and go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group and you can check them out live on video in our Facebook group. Looking forward to seeing you in there. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, best selling author, CEO, and founder of High Impact Coaching here with one of my good friends and one of my favorite people on the face of this earth, Mr. Sean Kemp. Sean, welcome to the High Impact Coaching Show. How are you doing today, brother? What's going on, guys? Yeah, glad to have you, man. So for those of you guys who don't know Sean, first of all, know Sean. If you are any form of business owner, entrepreneur, coach, whatever you're doing, go join his group, Minimalist Methods. Sean is by far one of the most productive, I would say, entrepreneurs that I've met. I call him the Prince of Copy because whatever words Sean puts on paper, just convert. So high-level entrepreneurs like Dan Locke, Frank Kern, Sam Ovens, Neil Patel, Jason Hornung, Paleo Secrets have all hired Sean to use his words to help their shit convert. You know, one of the things that Sean and I were just kind of riffing on before we started this show mm -hmm. 89%, is that right, Sean? Yeah, it's 89%. 89% of the time when Sean gets hired to test against an already converting seven-figure offer. So an offer that's already converting at million dollars, 89% of the time when Sean gets hired to test against it, he beats the base. So his copywriting, his marketing ends up doing better, is more profitable 89% of the time. And this is compared to, you know, when they already have seven figure businesses out there. So basically, Sean is, in my opinion, the best in the world when it comes to copywriting, marketing, everything. He won't say it. I will say it. So that's what matters. But he's generated, you know, multiple eight figures in revenue for his clients. Sean, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you. Yeah. And formally and unformally, like if I'm going to feel most comfortable, I'm not super comfortable on camera. I've never been same with stage, but if I'm going to be super comfortable, it's going to be on an interview with you. Like we're just going to have a buddy, buddy talk. So uh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to get you on here and kind of reveal your minimalist methods for everybody. I want to dig right into it because I think you and I share a very similar mindset when it comes to building business which is simple is better, right? Simple is always better. And I think, you know, the analogy that I always talk about, Bill Gates once said, you know, if you have the most difficult problem, give it to the laziest engineer and they'll find the fastest way to solve that problem, right? And I always considered myself that laziest engineer until I met you. 
And so I want to dig into why minimalist methods, everything about what you're doing. Just so you guys are aware, Sean and I were kind of chatting about his Facebook group, Minimalist Methods. And he revealed to me that it was actually supposed to be a podcast. And then he got too lazy to turn it into a podcast. So it just turned into a Facebook group where he interviews everybody. So Sean, tell me about minimalist, why minimalist methods, why is it important and and what you're doing there? Well, so I just got to say, first of all, it's such a like small group, as I would say, I just started it like a couple months ago. And it's really just more of a passion project. I have all these ideas, right? And like, it's better that I get them out and detox my mind of the ideas that I have rather than just hold them in and feel like I'm not sharing them. With them. So yeah. I go in there and share what's working for me and how to get things done without, you know, all the noise. Cause there's a bunch of shit out there. Like you could read books for days. You yeah. can read everybody's content on social media, blogs, podcasts, this and that. And like, what's going to move the needle? Like, do you even know what your 80, 20 is? What really matters? Like, what are the things that you should be focused on in a day and age where more content is being produced every year than all the years past? We're going into a place where nobody's taking action. Nobody has focus. Nobody knows what skill set to build and what really matters anymore. So what I say is like, when I go to travel, for example, I want to say this first. I never used to be this way. I used to be the guy that literally woke up and worked all day long and went to sleep. That was like when I first met you, you were like just getting getting done with that, right? Yeah, so I think it was at that point, I had a wake up call like right after we met, probably like a couple months after, and it forced me to not be able to work what I used to, like very high energy person, like I don't care what anybody else said, like I just go out and do it and like I'll find the energy to make it happen. I'll do videos, I'll figure out how to do shit super quickly too. Like resourcefulness is probably like one of my best gifts. I would say like, I'll find a way. If I don't know how to do something, I'll go figure it out. Like there's Google out there for us. Like I'll go find somebody that can teach me how to do it in three minutes and find all the mistakes in it and go fix it. You know, in 2016, went through that issue and then moved to a place where I could only work a certain amount of time. And I was like, you know, like I have all these clients of doing all these things. What's actually making me money? What really matters? And then I just focused on those hours of my day. And you know, this is kind of taking a script out of four hour work week a little bit. It's been a while since I read that book. It was probably one of the most prominent books in the starting of my career, but I honestly never really followed it. It Was actually being super efficient in the time and the hours that I spend behind a computer. Like I wanna enjoy life. Like I don't wanna be stuck behind a computer, like overweight, unhappy, like, you know, getting electrified by my computer all day long. You know, like, I, I don't want that life. And this is probably really good. Krista, for some- Krista doesn't want you to have that life either. No, she hated it. <laughs> uh, when we first were dating, like, she'd probably see me once every two weeks. And like, the reason for not seeing me is just because I was going to work. Yeah. So like, if she saw me, she would so happen to see me at the gym because I was like the one thing that I would carve out time for during that period of time. So without getting too much into my story, because like, you know, when you first meet somebody, you don't really care about their story. You want some results. So like, you know, I care about you, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do. Like majority 95% of the person (laughs) listening right now, like don't know me, don't really care about the story. They're just like, all right, why am I actually listening? (laughs) 
I know I'm breaking the fourth wall a little bit, which is actually an important thing to do in copywriting, but tangent. Pay attention, everybody. You're learning lessons in copywriting <laughs> subtly while Sean's not telling you his story right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling you my story. So yeah, I mean, I started the group just to like get my ideas out there, share my methods to making business simple and also interviewing the experts out there that can make business simple like yourself, which we just did a moment yeah. ago. So. <laughs> But yeah, and I think that's so important because you brought up a really good point. I think a lot of entrepreneurs right now are very busy, but they're not productive, right? And you're kind of forced into a place of forcing yourself to be more productive and only having a certain amount of hours during the day to be able to actually work, right? Like that actually forces you to be like, okay, I have to say no to more things. I think too many entrepreneurs say yes to too many things. And because they say yes to so many things, they're busy, but they're not actually producing results. Right. Let me ask you this. What would you say is the most important thing that you found to keeping you productive? Probably going back to just like my days as an athlete and being focused on some type of vision or mission to why, like, you know, why am I actually doing any of this? And it sounds so basic. But like, if you were to wake up and be like, all right, you know, like, I got to go to work again. Like, it's nothing's going to ever change. I'm just going to be doing this for the rest of my life. Like, not interesting. I got an entrepreneurship because I was just super scared of that life. Yeah. Total progress is like the thing that drives me. Like, I don't want to go to the gym and look the same in 10 years. Like, you know, I don't want to get a job and make the same amount of money either. I want every day to be focused on how much input that I build. And I want it to be like compounding interest. Yeah. Like, the more I go at this thing, the more I'm going to make and more progress I'm going to make exponentially. So the biggest driver for me is really just having a super sound, clear vision. Can I ask what your vision is? Yeah. So is that, it, is this, is this to share? Can we know? Um, <laughs> is this copywriting? Are you just going to open up a loop with me and then just leave it be Sean? Like you can't do that to me. Yeah. So honestly, man, like I want to build a multiple, you know, if we're talking financially, my first vision was to be in a financial position where I can help my parents retire. They're retired now. So like that was like more of a mission that was accomplished. And like, I think I told Jason and Hornung when we first started working together, that was like my, the biggest reason why I'm doing this. And he was like, wow, that's the first time I ever heard that. But as far as like financial, I come from a place where like money was looked at in such a horrible manner. I want to have abundance of money to create freedom for myself, but also for the people that I care about. Yeah. So I see a lot of people struggle through stressors that they don't need to have in their life as far as creating abundance and money for my family. But also my mission in business is to put my time in now to learn and build the skill sets that I have to eventually change the future of healthcare. Yeah. So to get involved with that and to create a greater, I would say like health span, not lifespan, but yeah. create a better health span. So the longer somebody lives without restriction. If I can connect myself with solutions and people out there to get that to change the way people live today, that would make me profoundly happy. I've struggled through my own periods of time where like life seems so dull and meaningless that I realize and I can empathize with people that feel that way. And like, I don't want them to feel that, you know, like I've heard the term empath and I'm not sure I'm quite there, but like, I really do feel like I can just see it in somebody's eyes when they like have this thing that they're doing so well at, but they don't really care about. And I have that feeling as to why. 
And a lot of people are suffering in silence right now. And the only way for me to get to that point, for people to trust me with their solutions and, you know, for me to work at a much larger scale, I have to be doing what I'm doing right now to have the results to be able to do that. And whether it's my own company or partnering with other you know, products or innovations out there, I don't really care. Like that'll happen over time. And things kind of come to me like, you know, people talk about law of attraction all the time. I think it's really positioning and placement and I'm not going to discount law of attraction. I think it's just the way that it's perceived is totally wrong. Like things aren't going to just come to you, you know? I mean, it's not magic. You can't just like sit there and meditate and like, oh, and it just like falls into your lap. Yeah. You can't just blow out the candles and let things just happen for you. (laughs) But I've been in the right positions. I've been in the right rooms with the right people. I continue to put myself in those positions to accept those opportunities. And every time I go to events, I think of it that way. So, you know, as long as when I think about like, should I say yes or no to something? Does it actually say yes to what I want in the end? Yeah. When I think you mentioned the law of attraction and you know, there's arguments for, is that the law of attraction or not? I think the the key that it comes down to is you're focused on what you want. Like you're very clear on where you're headed five years from now, 10 years from now, however long that might be, you know where you're going. And because of that, you're putting yourself in the right positions to have opportunities present themselves. And you're positioning yourself as somebody that a solution that people will want to have be part of that mission right? And all the actions that you take are lining you up for that. So whether it's the law of attraction or it's not the law of attraction, you know, the fact remains is it's something that you are very focused on, right? And that's really what it comes down to. And that focus, you know, when we talk about minimalist methods, right? You know, minimalism, really, it's getting rid of the clutter, right? And that comes from having a really focused driven outcome, because then you can just get rid of all the stuff that's nonsense. Right. Minimalism is like a daily action. It's a thing that can never be achieved. Like minimalism is over. It's just a continuous progression over time. So I can't label myself as a minimalist, but everything that I do, I try to find the least amount necessary to make the most amount happen. Like I would say like, let me get to 80% with, you know, 20% of my time and then focus on something else because the rest of that, you know, there's obviously exceptions that right? You know, I still go to work out, although the first couple years of working out is like, you know, you get 80% of the result. Now it's kind of like, all right, you're going to just inch the way up there. So, you know, like I still go to work out. It's not like I gave up on that. But, you know, in business, especially like, I just want to focus on those things that are really going to push the needle forward. So let me ask you this. I mean, you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, some of them, you know, high level, just like you know, we mentioned a bunch of the names of like the eight figure earners out there that you've worked with the big names and influencers, some of them seven figure earners, some of them six figure earners, some people just starting out, you know, what do you see being one of the biggest problems entrepreneurs are making right now in the industry? That's a really big question and a really good question because I see a lot. I always like default to the answer of you'd be surprised to see how much chaos happens in businesses that are actually doing really well. Yeah. Or that you look up to and they're chaotic and their CEO is not (laughs) really a good leader. Yeah. That they're chaotic in their own thoughts. Like I've walked into businesses that are doing like 25 million a year and their CEO or their founder, or their, you know, like the person that's making all the things happen, he's so cluttered or she's so cluttered in how like their vision or like, we should be doing this. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. After you've worked a week on it, let's do this thing or let's do that. Instead of like having, like I say, compounding interests 
on something over time. It's not like you start a podcast today and in two months it'll be, you know, the best thing ever and producing the most amount of income for you. You got to have a long-term vision. So a lot of them like get caught up in, you know, what are the short-term marketing tactics that I can use instead of like age old things that have worked forever. The, like, pro- I, yeah, the know, proven systems that like, you know, one of my favorite things that Jeff Bezos says, right? Like somebody asked him like, Bezos, how are you going to keep up on all the changing technology? And he goes, I don't have to. I keep up on the one thing that's never changing, human behavior, right? Huh, I've never heard that. But he never has to keep up on anything. He just always has to know human behavior and the rest of his business takes care of itself. Yeah, and I was actually going to bring that up. A lot of the methods that I use for writing copy or finding business opportunities in this digital age come from like the 1800s. <laughs> so, you know, for example, my copywriting methods come from Aristotle or marketing methods come from Aristotle. Like if you studied his persuasion triangle, it's ethos, pathos, logos. I would suggest anybody that's like listening right now, they'll look that up and understand it. So you're copywriting, you're learning from like ancient Greek philosophers. <laughs> so there's a bunch of people right now teaching copywriting, right? Yeah. And then they learn from somebody. Like yeah. they learn their crap from somebody, right? And then that person learned from somebody else. So if I just go and screw all those people and go to the front of the, the line, like who's the one that first started writing about this stuff? And how can I apply those like ancient beliefs? Ancient methods, ancient systems, yeah. Right, into what we're doing today. And it's like the concepts of persuasion are never, like, they're always the same. Like, they've always been the same. And you'll, once you study those things that were taught in the 1800s or earlier, you'll realize, like, if you want to study storytelling, read the Bible, you know? 100%, like, yeah. Like, you'll start to see dots connect. Like, you'll start to see all these things happen and, like, why some companies succeed and don't. Like, I find business to be oddly simple. Like, I really wish I went to school and college, ended up having a business major, and nobody taught me, like, the simplicities of business and, like, the necessities and the foundations of what really make a business compete successfully. Yeah. Like, one of the rules or the laws that I go by is, you know, people talk about, like, niching or niche hacking or all these things, right? And what is that even? Who started using that word? When did that even start happening? And it's really just like, what it, niching is more so is market message match. And if we want to go a little bit deeper into that, market message or product market fit are really the two things that matter. So I always say like, what's going to matter when you start a business from scratch? Like, all right, make sure your product market fit, market message match. Those two things happen. You have an irresistible offer, right? That's it. Like, that's how you create an irresistible offer. And I can tell it to anybody in 10 seconds. And then also, if you want to have a very exponential growth potential for your offer, make sure that you're going after an inefficient market. So what I mean by that is like when markets are super inefficient, you can get things done for like oddly cheap and they're worth oddly a lot. So like the cost for you versus the value that's provided because there's so many loops and like if you can overcome a lot of the obstacles that make it in an inefficient market and make it efficient yeah you're just gonna explode yeah it's the difference between your efficiency and the market's inefficiency that determine value that's amazing (laughs) or determine i'm sorry determine margin of value so how do we find those spaces how do we find those areas to focus on for the market 
So there's some tools that I use just to stay on top of the market, like meetglimpse.com. It kind of shows me some of the best market trends that are happening just by Google search volume. And like, it'll show like, for example, you know, if I went by some of the things I knew six months ago, like, you know, starting a business just around Sherpas would have been like really successful six months ago, just because it actually spikes in October of every year, the last six years. So if you just, you know, spend your money, like, in you September, say, hold on, did you say Sherpas? Yeah. Am I thinking of that? Right. Yeah. Like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Like Sherpa, like a Sherpa jacket. Sherpa oh, like, pop. okay. I'm thinking like a Sherpa guide that like, no, 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 no. Okay. Sherpa. But like, okay. So like a Sherpa jacket. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sherpa jacket, pillows. Got it. Yeah. Got so it. If you had a store, just Sherpa, you know, and you had blankets. And You'd launch jackets. it in September. <laughs> yeah. Launch in September. You'll do super well until about drops off right around now, actually. But, you know, finding inefficient markets, like for example, you know, CBD is still an inefficient market. That's why everybody's trying to get into it, but they have no solution. They're trying to sell an inefficient market when they are actually inefficient. So, yeah. you know, the margin's really not there because they can't get anything done. But if you actually had a real system that actually helped somebody launch in the space digitally and proven system, you would crush it. Like you would make so much ungodly amounts of money. Yeah. And for example, like if you got onto the building a business on Amazon, like five years ago, that was a pretty inefficient market. Now there's a ton of people in competition. Market sophistication is a lot harder. You can still grow to seven figures plus on Amazon. It's just like, it's a more efficient market. The margins just- Yeah, it's, it's much smaller margins, tinier details. Yeah. Right. And the same thing goes with niches. And when you're finding like inefficient markets, I often like to look at the audience first just because you can have market message match. Well, I think that's a really big problem that I see with entrepreneurs, right? So many entrepreneurs go, I have this amazing product. I have this amazing service that I want to get to the world. But the truth is nobody gives a shit, right? It's like, you have to start with the audience first. And just like you mentioned, you have to get the market and the messaging to match, right? It's not just product first, go, right? Well, it's good. And you know, it's kind of different for some people that are coaches because they're like good at something, right? Yeah. But just like I say, like, although this is kind of wrong of me or like a weird time for me, I kind of understood the principles of going about this when I was in my college dorm room looking for freshman year, looking for like, I'd look up on Google, like the highest paying jobs right now, right? Yeah. And then like, I'd go through the list of those 10 things and be like, oh, well, no, nah, that wouldn't be a fifth for me. No, nah, that wouldn't be a fit for me. Okay, I could see myself doing that. I think I'd be pretty good at that. So when somebody goes about being a coach or consultant or whatever, you like to you know, care about your passions and what you really want when instead you should look at like you know, the top 10, 15 markets that you can get into that are most opportune for you to make a lot of money and see which one you match best to. Yeah. So you go like the reverse yeah. versus like, looking at yourself and trying to come up with something that you don't know if actually has any value. That's huge, right? You have to find the market first, find the ones that will work and then find a way to match yourself to that best. To one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. Well, man. So this has been stellar. I just think just like getting insight into your mind is always like one of my favorite parts of hanging out with you because the way that you think and the way that you process is just so unique. I think I learn something every single time I chat with you. You know, we're talking coaches right now. We've got a lot of coaches 
you know, who listen to this podcast on high impact coaching and when we're doing this live in our Facebook group, when it comes to writing words that sell, right? I think coaches, frankly, I love everybody listening to this, but we all suck at this right? Like we just suck at writing copy that sells. We love talking about ourselves. We love talking about our products and we love talking, frankly, way too intelligently. Like, do you have any quick tips from a copywriting or marketing standpoint for all the coaches out there to help them become better at writing words that sell or whether it's writing words or scripts for videos or whatever for content, sales pages that can really help them like get better at doing that? I could talk for hours, honestly, about this. (laughs) That's why I asked this question. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try to like condense it as much as possible and not share anything any other copywriter would tell you. Oh, I like that. I want to go about this from a business owner's perspective. If I was going to hire a copywriter or just become better if I suck. And I think that in one hour, actually, so this is why I'm starting to do these events too, because I'm like trying to figure out if in two days that I can take somebody that really doesn't consider themselves good at writing copy to being better than anybody they could ever hire. Yeah. That's because a lot of copywriters just label themselves as a copywriter and like don't understand the true fundamentals of the journey you need to take a buyer through from start to finish and like don't have the 9,000 foot view that they need to have. So, you know, a lot of people are out there right now, they've either hired a copywriter, it's not converted, or they tried writing copy and don't even know where to start. They've tried templates, they've used funnel scripts, ouch, but they used one of those like random things that they thought would convert and just wouldn't. There wasn't enough empathy in there or there you know, wasn't a good big idea. There's like really three things that I want to get out there before you write any words on the page. You yeah. know, you got to research what the heck you're even trying to say, right? So you got to research the person and what their pains are and how it manifests in that person's life. Because, you know, you're not having a conversation with them. You kind of have to like guess, right? You kind of have to put them all in a situation. When you're writing, you don't want to get super narrow and it would only apply to some little amount percentage of people because throughout a sales page, they're looking for all the reasons why they shouldn't buy from you or get you on the phone. So when actually I'm writing for people that are, have high ticket programs, really they're writing copy to get people on the phone. Yeah. So if you're writing copy to get people on the phone, you're making your offer on the phone, right? But you have to understand like, is the offer irresistible? Yeah. So like, how do I make an offer irresistible? I really have a triangle for this because I like to keep things in threes and keep it simple. But if you're starting your research, it's a triangle, a Bermuda triangle that will allow your customer to get lost in your copy and eventually have nothing to do but but buy. Right? (laughs) So it's really simple. Persuasion is a concept of persona, problem, and promise. So if you can clearly identify the persona that you're talking to, the problem that you're addressing, and the promise that you're making, you have an irresistible offer. Yeah. And that all comes from research, right? I do want to pause on that real quickly because I think research is something that most coaches specifically do not do. Right. So like, and you and I have talked about this, you know, say Neil Patel hired you again to like, you know, write a VSL for him or something like that. Right. And you had one week, how much time would you spend writing versus how much time would you spend researching? Researching is deliberately to create some type of big idea mechanism. So the reason why it works with somebody like him though, 
if I were to write anything like him now, it's been since 2016, but if I were to write anything for him like now, he has so much authority that would be, I wouldn't write the same way with somebody of that level of authority as I would for some coach that's trying to make six figures that had, doesn't yeah. have the name on the map. But when I'm spending time researching or coming up with the big idea and the mechanism and the one belief, so the one thing that they need to believe to buy, that's probably 75% of the time. Yeah. All the research. And once I have the research, it kind of writes itself. Like I yeah. have the clients write it for me. If you got any sales calls, you can put it, drop it in the Otterdip AI and like just copy and paste some of that language in a doc. There's your copy for you. Like you can go and read Amazon bestsellers that are best related to your customer or that your customer would have bought about solving a problem that they want to solve and find something in a description of the book somewhere in like headlines are just hidden inside the chapter titles. Or you can go in and read the one in five star reviews on the book itself. Amazon yeah. has three different ways that you can research your customer. Another good one is like, you know, looking at Udemy courses. If you're a coach, like a lot of the similar promises are happening. And if Udemy course has a five-star review or four and a half star reviews, read the reviews on there. What do they say? You know, what are people talking about? Like, what are they angered about? What actually moved the needle for them? You know, like that should all be included in your copy. The description should be included in your Dude, copy. Dude, it's really funny that you bring that up. One of our clients that we were working with basically found the name for their program from like a $19 Udemy course. It may have been like Teachable or Kajabi or, Kajabi. or something. But like a $19 Udemy course and they're now charging 5K for the same promise because they just know the rest of the process. But that's literally where they got like their promise from was a Udemy course. Nuts. That's pretty awesome to hear, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you can go to Reddit, answer the public, Quora, YouTube, like, just Google search. There's different commands that you can have in Google to search for, like, you know, specific keywords from a specific website. So if I was in the health space, like, I write a lot of health offers because there's a lot of supplement companies that are just scaling super fast. And, like, eventually they get to the point where, you know, their leads or their, sales letters, you know, if they're spending a lot of money on traffic, they fatigue after a really short period of time. So they need new angles and new ways to sell the same thing. So the best place is the research. Let's say, you know, you're going to get a nugget here if you're in health, but I actually have an entire document with all of the blog authority blogs in the health space. And you can find the top trending articles on those blogs with any of the SEO type tools. So SEO tools are seen as like these things for people that are like SEO agencies, but they can be used for copywriters too, because you can see what content is trending. You can see what's trending. You can see what people are interested in. Yeah. So like live science or I love science. There's like Dr. Axe, Dr. Oz, Mercola. There's a lot of like, you know, alternative health blogs and sites that are really good. Medical news today, I think. And then I just have a list of a dozens of them. But <laughs> You've done this a few times, right? I do it too many times. Yeah. So, I mean, you just got to find the authority sites where all the content is, where all the traffic is going and find like, you know, are people talking about this thing? And also news and trends are important too, but you have to realize those have a timeline and those are just hooks. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I was talking with a buddy of mine, Rob Dial, who's got like 1.4 million followers on Facebook. And I think you just brought up a really good point. So many entrepreneurs and specifically coaches want to feel like they're getting their message out, right? It's their thing. Nobody else is saying it, right? But if nobody else is saying it, it's not connecting with other people. 
right? How's that message going to get out? And I think one of the things that when I was chatting with Rob, this was actually earlier this week, he just goes, dude, I don't make up any of my content anymore. He's like, I did that for a while and it got me nowhere. Literally what he does is he goes and searches SEO and he goes to medium. He goes to medium.com and he sees what self-development articles are trending the most. And he's like, I go through medium and I go to SEO. I put together a list of like 50 different possible titles for videos. And those are my videos for the next couple of months. He's like, that's all it is. <laughs> that's repurposing content in the best way because like you just know like people are going to want to talk about that. Yeah. And you can put your own spin on it and you have your own life events that happened and like your experiences that will change the way that you tell the narrative. Yeah. So. Beautiful. Well, Sean, I've kidnapped you for way too long. So I'm going to let you get back to work or hang out with Krista or take some sauna time, whatever you need. But before I let you go, where can everybody learn more about you? Where can they learn more about minimalist methods? They can just go to the search bar in the Facebook search bar, <laughs> search minimalist methods and join the group. And you'll see a lot of my copywriting formulas and all those things. And the beautiful interview that I just did with Xander, interviews I've done with other experts as well. A lot of my content focuses on persuasion, keeping business simple, finding inefficient markets, how to research, how to get clients, lead generation, like most of those marketing or copywriting. And I bring basically experts in that are better than me at everything else. So just search the Facebook, <laughs> the Facebook our minimus methods. I don't have a podcast. We already I established that, Sean. You're too lazy to turn it into a podcast. <laughs> oh man. That's for sure. Too good, dude. Well, thank you, brother. Thanks for coming on. I think this was really helpful for a lot of people. It was helpful for me, helpful for a lot of people. Thanks for coming. Really great to have you, brother. Yeah, of course, as always. Awesome. And everybody out there in podcast land, if you want to catch these live, go ahead and go to xanderfryer.com forward slash FB group to join our Facebook group. And you can catch these interviews live, ask questions, whatever you need to do in there. And for everybody else, thanks for joining. We'll see you guys in the next episode.